Hello, hello, everyone. God bless you. This is Mrs. Raquel Perez, again, being joined by my wonderful best friend, Antoinette Gross. And um, I think we have something very interesting for you guys today. So you guys are going to be ear hustling on the topic of religion versus relationship. And I think um, that everyone at some point in time, and we still do, uh, struggle with um religion versus relationship. And um, I have a couple of thoughts about it and I'm sure my friend does too. Um, in the meantime, if I could ask Annie to open up in prayer. Okay. Um, Abba, we're just grateful um, that you are not only just the creator of heaven and earth, but we can call you Abba Father. We're grateful that um, you saw fit to send Jesus to die for our sins, past, present, and future. And we're grateful that we have the heritage of long suffering with you, Father. We just ask that our hearts would be as long suffering with those around us. And we're grateful for the forgiveness that you've offered us through salvation. And we just ask, dear Lord, that we will also forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, even though goodness and mercy follow us, Lord, we just ask that even in that time that we would also be as generous with our mercy. We, um, Father, we lift up this topic of religion and relationship, not because we are um, perfect or not because we are experts, but because we are still struggling, Lord, to perfect our relationship with you. Just like any child with their parent, there's seasons in which we can be close and seasons in which we can be distant. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would meet us here. Holy Spirit, have your way. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts bring glory unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so there were so many thoughts surrounding this topic for me. Um, but I will say that I think as someone that was born and raised in the church, that those of us who are born and raised in the church, I think we struggle with religion a little bit more than the person that um, has come to know Christ um, in the middle of their adulthood. And the reason why I say that is because we are completely blind. <laughs> we are completely blind because of our advantage of having been raised uh, from a young age. And because, and if we're very fortunate and we have very good leaders and very good uh, spiritual teaching, um, we know all of the right things. We know how to speak Christianese. And, um, and yet we still fall and stumble in this category where we're still checking off boxes versus having a fluid and dynamic relationship with Christ. So those are my initial thoughts. Uh, what about you? Um, my mom came to Christ when I was five years old. Um, she was baptized, and um, but she was raised in a very um, spiritually diverse uh, background. So some of our family was Seventh-day Adventist, some of them were Pentecostal, um, a lot of them um, believed in spiritual things um, and um, dare say witchcraft in a sense, you know, astrology and, you know, things of that nature. And um, so when she came to, to Christ, she came to Christ in a very conservative branch of Christianity. 
And so um, my earliest memories of serving God was you can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't have this, you can't have that. And so I grew up a lot of my life um, without a TV in my home, um, not being able to wear pants, not being able to wear makeup, not being able to uh, cut my hair, not being able to wear jewelry. And um, what happened in my personal relationship was that um, the Old Testament became a comfort to me because it was full of all the laws. Mm. And I understood law, I understood rules because my introduction to Christ was you can't. Mm. You can't have fun, you can't dance, you can't listen to that music. Um, and so unfortunately for me, my introduction to, to God was he's a tyrant, mm. he's a judge. Mm. Um, and there's no room there's no room for your humanity, huh. no room for mistakes. Wow. And so by the time I got to 15, 16, falling in love with my now husband um, and struggling through that, it led to a behavior of secrecy. It led to not being able to go to the church because of guilt and shame, not being able to understand what grace really meant. Um, and just feeling punished all the time. Um, and so I had this very unhealthy view of, of God. Um, I saw, I understood God as a judge. I understood revelation at a very young age because it was, it was used um, to keep us in line. And it wasn't until later I understood the difference between reverence and reverent fear and abuse of the word of God to sum, for people to submit under fear. And they're two different things. And they um, and reverent fear, it, it's like fertilizer to relationship. Abuse of the word of God and oppressive fear, that is like kryptonite to the, your relationship with God. Um, and that was my, my initial experience in, in, in um, finding out or, you know, my introduction to religion. Um, after a while, I started to feel like, what's the point in trying? <laughs> I'm not gonna make it. Um, no, that, that was really I have hard. a question. Yeah. Because um, even though we internalize uh, different things, our parents, um, definitely had all of the right intentions and motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, but now as children were being introduced to something, so they were being diligent. When I think back at this, I try now to have an adult perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And the way that I used to see it before was, oh, they were hard and it was all about law, 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 law. And now, and that was in my immaturity. And Paul says that when I was a child, I, I, I thought as a child, I spake as a child and I behaved as a child. But when I matured, I put away childish things. Mm-hmm. So now as an adult, I see it as, you know what? They were walking out their convictions. And 
um, this is this is where because it wasn't our convictions, or at least mine, I'll speak for myself, at least because it wasn't my conviction yet, it was my training. I mm -hmm. internalized it as it being all law. Mm -hmm. When in fact, when I'm listening to you and I, and I reflect back on my own relationship um, with, with God, how legalism entered in is because I was always, religion and legalism really starts off with walking out somebody else's conviction. Mm -hmm. And as children, as you're processing this, it just seems like a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. So the, my question that I said that I have for you is, do you feel, does that resonate at all with you? I understand where you're coming from. I think that the difference between my childhood and my adult life is that I realized in my adult life that you can actually enjoy serving God. Mm -hmm. you, can en you can enjoy worshiping you can enjoy prayer and prayer doesn't have to be just in crisis right it, it it you can enjoy and then and that there is a privilege that we have as children of God to come boldly before the throne of grace and it's a reason why it's called the throne of grace you're not always coming with great ideas for the kingdom sometimes you're coming with your brokenness right <laughs> you're not always coming with lord i gave 20% in tithes. Sometimes you're coming with, Lord, I can't pay my rent if I pay my tithes. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? And there's this, there's this part of grace that I didn't understand until I became an adult. And because of that lack of understanding of grace, there was a brokenness in my relationship with God. And there was this gulf, there was this space between me and the Father that was really hard to fill. And so I think that when I watch my parents check off boxes, we have Bible study, check. She knows the word of God, check. She knows she's dressing properly, check. She, we're not playing this music in our house, check. We're not watching this on the TV, check. We're not, you know, and, it, and we're going to church conventions every summer. She's not out there or, you know, at Woodstock, check. Though what ended up happening, to your point, their conviction without me seeing their relationship without me seeing them enjoy any of this. Yeah. That was the thing. If I saw my parents really enjoy, right? Like enjoy it, like enjoy having fellowship and not feeling panicked because the house had to look perfect for Bible study or this had to be perfect or this had, but just really enjoy. And if I saw my parents and granted as a parent now, I definitely understand why they would hide their frailty before, from their children and why they would hide their sin from their children. Not knocking my parents at all, but because I didn't see the struggle, right? I didn't see the, I'm struggling with this and I can take this to the father. It just looked like a distant goal. That holiness just looked like this distant thing. And it was this thing that if I missed any of the boxes, hellfire it was. There was no... You know, it, and, and I will say this relationship with God is supposed to give you hope. You're not supposed to leave feeling hopeless. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to go through your walk with Christ feeling hopeless. It's supposed to give you hope. That's why the gospel is good news. 
it doesn't call the gospel damnation. It's that good news. <laughs> I think you that, um, I think that, uh, uh, again, um, because we're circling around this point where for those of us, at least, um, that are born and raised in the gospel and you and I have that in common, um, when, um, if there's any weakness or something that helps to drive um, a religious spirit is um, when our parents don't sit down with us because they, they had to have the moments that we are now having as adults, this mm -hmm. internal wrestling, what is right? What is wrong? I'm confused. I feel some kind of way about this situation in my life. My flesh is telling me this. The word is telling me this. I'm experiencing this. The word says I'm supposed to have this. And they wrestled through it the way that we're wrestling through it now. And we want the grace for it. Um, but I think you're right because a lot of us um, as, as Christians, um, the same way that I've, I have always said that a lot of Christian children, they struggle in sex and money. And those are the two topics that, for whatever reason, seem to be very taboo. Don't talk about it. <laughs> and that's its own program, right? But now also this thing of, of this fluid and dynamic relationship, I think our parents did the best that they could with what they had and what they understood. Um, because... Uh, I don't know about your your parents, but my mom was not born and raised mm -hmm. in the gospel. And mm -hmm. she received Christ um, in her adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so she gave me what she understood and she gave it to me. But to the point that we're speaking of in her formation, she could only give me the do's and don'ts because that's all she understood at the time. I will jump in here if I may. Part of, and, and what I will give my mom credit for, is she made sure I read the Bible. Mm -hmm. She made, We wasn't praying. She didn't teach me to pray some obscure, I hope this is it. No, she made sure I knew the promises. She said, if you're going to pray, you're going to pray the promises of God because that's what he's going to answer. Yeah. So I would give my mom that she took me to the park and she sat down with me. We'd have, that's some of my fond memories with my mom. We would have picnics and we would study the word. And that gave her comfort. It wasn't until I was an adult that I knew some of the wounds that my mom had. Uh, so as a kid, you're looking at this woman who doesn't seemingly ask for any help. You're yeah. looking at this woman who honors her mom. My grandmother was not the nicest to my mom. For whatever reason, okay, wow. whether it be cultural, whether it be the tough love thing that Jamaicans got going on, I don't know. But it was, she was very like firm and there was no, there wasn't a lot of gentleness. Wow. And my mom married someone who continued that firmness, not a lot of gentleness. So the, the comfort that my mom found was in the word of God. And the the surety that that the security of love is she found that in the word of god and she made sure that i knew the word of god that's one thing she she that's i will never ever discount that my mom made sure now as an adult 
And now that I can talk to her as mother to mother and I can say to her, what in the world is wrong with these children? And she can say, oh yeah, I remember praying about that. I didn't know she was praying about that. She didn't sit down to me and it's just like, I'm praying about your sexuality. She didn't sit down and say, I'm praying about your finances. She never sat down with me and say, I'm praying about you picking a good husband. It wasn't until I got older that she says, oh man, I was praying that you would see that or I was praying that you would do that. Um, so one of the things that I've tried to do, not have not nailed it 100%. So please, whoever is watching, don't think I got it all together. I do not. Um, but one thing that I have tried to do with my children is say, hey, I'm struggling with this and this is what I'm praying about. Or if they come to me and say, I'm struggling with identity, I'm struggling with sexuality, I'm struggling with pornography, I'm struggling with, with whatever, um, they can either come to me or their father and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And we are able to pray with them and able to be honest with them. Um, and let me just say this caveat, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, because every season is different and they may not be ready for some testimonies in one season that they're ready for in another. Right. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, your mom being from an island, my mom being from an island, I think also, and I know I bring this up in a lot of other videos, but I think it's important to, to bring up culturally, there was a lot of things that he didn't talk about whether you were under religion or not. Um, you didn't run up to your mom and talk about sex. You didn't run up to your parents and ask them how much they made and what they were investing in. That was none of your business as a child. Uh -huh. And so when you start to recognize who the Lord is and you start to recognize that God is a provider, you start to recognize that he was the creator of sex, that gives a liberty for conversation that our parents were never, never allowed growing up. Right. There's a culture, there's a, that's a generational culture mm -hmm. that, um, you know, and each, each generation understands uh, its own culture, but we have to have a little bit of grace for our parents because it was that way for the longest time. You just, it was very uh, authoritarian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And children did not speak to parents about adult things. No. Yeah. A lot of things that I learned, Rock, was just sitting in the corner and listening to the old woman talk and just being quiet. Yep. Me too. Things that I learned about being a wife was not my mom saying, you got to do this, this, and this, and this. It was watching and sitting down and being quiet. Yep. You know, I think that... Um, for our parents to really embrace trying to raise us with the word of God was a really brave feat <laughs> because when we look at, at least for my mom, when I look at her history, when there was discipline, it was harsh. When there was instruction, it was straightforward. It was just, you know what I'm saying? There was. When they, the way they went to school, they had to wear uniforms. They had to stand up when the teacher came into the room, even though they had, they had prayer in schools and Bible reading in schools, but it was all structured. It was very disciplined. It, there was not a lot of room for silliness. There wasn't a lot of room for laughter. And so when my mom got saved, she gravitated to a very conservative 
belief system because that felt, number one, it, it was something that she could understand. And number two, again, she's looking for safety, right? So she found safety in that type of system. I know that if I don't do this, I'm good. I know that if I don't do this, I'm safe. I know that if I don't dabble in this, I'm good. And so this Christianity that we have now, not to offend anybody, but this Christianity that we have now, go live your best life and the Lord wants you to be wealthy and the Lord is giving you a blessing you with a car and a house. and a, Yes, he says that he owns everything and your life is abundant, but that wasn't the main focus of our parents. The focus of our parents was to avoid hellfire, period. And to raise up children that someone could look and say, that girl or that young man or that young woman is different than the world. That was their focus. I think it's a it's a it's a good focus, but even uh and actually that's that's really what God is concerned about. Um his whole thing is making sure that we are with him. Um but you can still um have the right goal in mind and your methodology is all off. Of course. And I think if if I'm hearing you correctly, is what is that's what um, is probably more damaging. Um, as I say this again, it's no criticism uh, to your mom or even to my own. Um, the older that I get, the less I want to condemn anybody. Um, we can only do what we understand to do, mm-hmm. and that is what they understood, and they passed down. Thank God, what they understood. The rest now is up to us. You know, the baton has been passed. And um, since we're on the topic of uh, religion versus relationship, um, one of the things that really highlighted it for me. So after I leave, you know, my mother's house, I'm pretty much an adult. And now 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 this is this Christian walk is up to me. I did leave for a time when I came back. The person that highlighted to me the most that I was very religious without him saying a word was my husband. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and, he, and and that was never his criticism of me, but I noticed because he too received Christ in his adulthood in his young adulthood. Um, but I realized that he was a man that whatever he learned he he wanted to go out and execute the word of God. And I was all about, I could tell you what Bible verse, I could tell you the address that it came in. I could tell you this and that, but I wasn't walking in it. If I complained to my husband when we were dating, he wanted to lay hands on me and he was just sure right as rain that I was going to be healed because he laid his hands on me. It was the faith of a child. Meanwhile, I'm like, Go get me some Tylenol. <laughs> and I think back to that time, and, but you know, it with with uh, as I contemplate, I was like, "Wow, how, how?" And I didn't know you couldn't t- you couldn't tell me anything. You couldn't tell me that I was a religious person. 
Um, and yet there were certain behaviors that really spoke more that I had a religious relationship or religious, so many religious habits and they weren't relational. I think what God doesn't waste anything, right? So I think what highlighted religion for me and myself was trials, trials and tribulation. How do I respond when I'm getting pressed? And I realized, I call them spiritual tantrums. I realized that the first initial response to a trial was different than my husband as well, who got saved in his thirties. His response to a trial was, Abba, I give you praise. And immediately he's in worship mode. And I just worship you and I thank you for every, and I'm like, dude, we're in trouble. (laughs) Right? Right? He's the Peter that, come, Father, if that's you, I'm coming on the water. I'm coming. I'm the disciple that stayed in the boat. I don't know what that is. I'm in the boat. I'm in the boat. And I felt comfortable and not knocking the disciples because they were doing, they were doing what they were told. Yeah. Let me just say this. They were doing what they were told. Yeah. They were being obedient. They said, Jesus said, get in the boat. Let's cross to the other side. Yeah. But Peter saw an opportunity to draw closer relationally. So he wanted to get out the boat. I realized that when I was in trials, I didn't want to draw closer relationally. I wanted the gift of, or the prize for being obedient. Uh, Lord, I paid my tithes, my bills should be paid. God knows what you paid, but I wanted the reward for being obedient. Whereas for my husband, he was just like, I paid my tithes, this is an opportunity to worship. This is an opportunity to see God move. This is an opportunity to get closer. And that's when I realized you got a lot of religion. Anytime a trial came, Lord, that's not supposed to happen to me because I did this, 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 and this. How come that's happening to me? When you have relationship, it's like, Lord, why why am I excluded? Why should I be excluded from this happening to me? The David stance, it was good for me that I was afflicted, right? Because now in my affliction, I get to draw closer. Um you're drawing out uh, as, as you're speaking, one of the, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was um, meditating on this topic was that when you know, you have your, you have stumbled into religion or, or, or religious habits when you're all about the check boxes. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And it's, it's a, it's a spiritual laziness is Mm -hmm. the way that God broke it down for me, because all you want to do is ABC so that you could get DEF and you don't, and that's not how life works. Just because uh, I cook for my husband or do this or that doesn't mean I'm always going to get the the same result or the same attitude or the same behavior. There is something fluid and dynamic about relationship. And, um, when we're not getting the results that we want, then all of a sudden it's just like, well, what am I doing this stuff? Or we start questioning the good habits. And um, it, it, faith is not a formula. Faith is not 
uh, you know, in the, in the science lab, you could do that. You know, I put this chemical and this chemical together, I'm going to get this reaction. I put A and B together, it's always guaranteed to bring me C. But that's not relationship. And I, and I was, as God was confronting me and revealing to me, he says, it's, it's just laziness. You just want to be able to say, you, you did all these things so that you can get a result in your life that you want. You're here, you're here for, for the fish and the bread, but are you really following after me? I don't think for me, I considered it laziness. My, the way I was confronted with it, because I grew up in a very structured household and I come from a very um, traditional Jamaican family where their structure is important and there's certain uh, traditions and behaviors that are rewarded. For me, it was, look at me, I'm a good daughter. 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 And it's all work. And so when the Lord said, okay, that's fine, but I'm going to give you a child that's going, that you're going to have to forgive. I am going to give you a child that is not going to line up with what you think she should be. I'm going to give you a struggle financially. I am going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you a press to, to, to extend kindness to community members that you don't like. Show me that you're a good daughter. And what I realized is out of all the knowledge, and I'm sure I've said this in a video before, so at the risk of repeating myself, it still rings true to me. Out of all of the things that I was able to check boxes on, I struggled with the basis of the two commandments. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Because we feel as though God is waiting for us to, to turn in our exam, and we're waiting for the grade, we just keep doing works. Yes, faith without works is dead, but you'll see your faith by your works, right? So, so yes, I'm not saying don't feed the poor. I'm not saying don't treat your husband well. I'm not saying stop praying for your, for your son or daughter or whatever, or your family members. I'm not saying any of those things, but I'm saying check your motivation. Yep. And so we see, we see this in Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, it's called the, the chapter of hypocrisy or the seven, the seven woes, right? And he's, and he's talking to them about, hey, stop trying to get this title rabbi and stop trying to elevate yourself and stop trying to be so important and stop trying to, you know, you convert somebody and then you disciple them and then they are worse off. They're, they're, they're on their way to hell because of the way you disciple them. And, and he's just, and you're reading it and you're just like, he can't be talking to the church, but he is. He's talking to the religious people of the day. And the, 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 the huge stumbling block is that we allow ourselves and we allow the enemy to, to, to lift up our good intentions before the Lord and say, look how good we did. And the Lord doesn't want our good intentions. He wants our heart. And, his, and him having our heart will dictate our actions. So that's when I realized I didn't love God with everything, to your point. The, the fish and the loaves. I loved God as long as I treated God like an ATM. I treated God like a genie in the lamp. Yep. I treated him like, you know, like, like a boss at a job. I yep. did this amount. I clocked in at nine. I clocked out at five and I did overtime. Nobody else did that. Where's With my, my compensation? Yep. Right. And so 
So that shows that it's not love, it's performance. Yep. And so when you have performance, you can't have relationship. Try it in your marriage. Just try to be performative with no type of true love. I can tell you where it's going to show and where it's going to go. It's not going to last. Yeah. Because to your point, that person is going to respond to that performance differently every single day. And though God is consistent, he's like, the world can perform. There are people out here that feed people in their community every single weekend, and they don't know the name of the Lord. Without the love of God, it's just humanitarianism. You're just being a humanitarian, right? Without the love of God, there are people right now that are pro-choice that don't know the name of the Lord. Yep. There are people right now that don't like tattoos, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't just as plain as they want to be, just as nice, the best neighbors you could ever have, and they don't know the name of the Lord. Yep. Yep. Because it's for God, that is all performative. Relationship says, man, if you don't give it to me, I still love you. If your husband doesn't say thank you for, for dinner, do you stop loving him? Right? If you don't heal my body, I prayed for years that the Lord will shrink those fibroids and remove them. I prayed for years, years that my son wouldn't be wayward. Years. Years, I prayed for my brother and my sister, years. I prayed for one cousin who struggled with addiction that took his life, years. Should I stop loving God now? And that's when I realized that you love the Lord based on your performance and based on the reward of that performance. Yeah. You don't love him because of who he is and his sovereignty. Yeah. And that's where relationship crosses over that no matter what happens, whether you have to go through surgery whether for me, your auntie passes away from cancer or your favorite cousin dies, he's still God of your life. So if, if, all right, so for myself moving, I would say daily I'm moving out of religion because I think it's um, the two points that we've highlighted is it, it could either be spiritual laziness where you just want to, check off the boxes so that you could say that you're a Christian or it could be performance. You're still, you haven't broken the revelation of um, relationship really hasn't been brought forth to you. You still think you have to earn your salvation mm -hmm. some way or uh, earn the blessings. Mm -hmm. um, so both, both of those things uh, can be true. Um, and I've seen both of them in my life. So for me, uh, breaking out of a religious spirit has been every situation, even though I might have something uh, to refer to, even though there might be something in the car catalog that are, I've archived back there. Every situation in the present is um, a moment for me to stop and to invite God. And it has to be very intentional that just because uh, ABC happened uh, here, ABC that's happening over there, uh, I can't meet life with a formula anymore. 
that in that aspect for me, I, I have to be very, very, very intentional um, about just because you've seen it before, just because more or less, it may be even the same, th- the same approach God may have you do, but you still have to stop, <laughs> ask God for direction, yeah, and then keep going. And that has been very intentional for me. Um, that's how I see it playing out um, a lot in my life. Um, where do you see uh, you breaking the relate the the religious spirit in your in your life? Um, my husband and my children have helped me out the most with that. Um, I my kids have come to me and say. And, and have challenged me to really be honest with how I feel. I'm good at giving the right answer. I was always a good tester. So I'm good at giving the right answer. I'm good at studying, always been a good studier. I'm good at passing the, the, the test seemingly on the outside. But because they've seen me struggle um, and because they've seen me um, you know, wrestle with some, some ideologies, they've challenged me to be honest. And when you start praying honest prayers, that's when I noticed God started answering me. When I started to, to, to really say, you know what, Lord, and this may sound uncomfortable for some of you, um, but this is my testimony. Um, I went to God and said, I'm mad at you. <laughs> I'm mad at you. You took my aunt. And then a year later, you took her son and I'm still sick. <laughs> and because I'm sick, I'm now in debt. And you said, oh, no, man, nothing but love. Yeah. I'm mad at you because the college is calling me and you said you were going to pay for it. <laughs> and I don't have the money. Yeah. And when I started to be honest with that, I could feel the Holy Spirit say to me, that just because I took your aunt doesn't mean I don't love you or love her. You don't know the prayers that she prayed. You don't know how tired your cousin was. And I realized through all of this is because I I struggled with earthly fatherly relationships, I had a problem seeing God as a father. Mm. I, I, I never saw myself as God's little girl. You know what I mean? Or a daughter of or a daughter of the kingdom. I understood judgment, I understood rules, but I didn't understand that type of relationship. And so through the sickness and through the loss and through, you know, when you have a child that lead that that has to leave home, not the way that you prepared, I, you know, it it hurt me when my when I had to make decisions hard decisions. You know, I had his prom party planned out. I had his graduation party planned out. I, um, I had all of these things planned. And when all those plans were dashed, I was really angry. I was hurt. And all I could see was everything that I performed and how that performance didn't yield the, the, the fruit that I thought it was going to yield. And so when I started to be honest with the Lord, 
is when he started to answer me. It's when he started to open up things. It's when he started to break generational curses. It's when, it's when I really saw how I, how I was true spiritually. It's when I really saw myself. Like I really, the Bible says, uh, don't be like a man that looks in the mirror and then when he walks away, forgets what he sees. And, and that was when I saw, when I started to pray honest prayers, Lord, marriage is hard. I love that. I love that because I, I, I'll identify with that as well. Um, to your point that we uh, as Christians, whether you're born and raised or whether you come in um, in your adulthood, um, we all in our formation, there's a part of our formation that we always go workspace. We still struggle with feeling like we have to work at it, earn it. We also understand church culture and we perform for the church culture. And then we become good uh, test takers and we become great at speaking Christianese and putting up the image. But I will agree with you that when we stop and drop the pretenses and just, this is not to say you let it go, like you just let yourself go. But when you let go of the image and you stand before God and your brother and sister in Christ as you are and be honest with your struggles, that is such a transformative part in your journey with Christ. Things, it's, a, it's a game changer when you drop the pretenses, when you don't have to put on the, the face for, for the church, when you don't feel obligated to say that you're fine when you're not, to not feel obligated to, you know, put up a facade that you have it all together, that your family's all together, mm -hmm. and it's not. That you don't have the answer, that you can actually say to a brother or sister, if you're in the ministry, if you've been called to leadership, and somebody comes to you and they say, uh sister so-and-so what do you think i really don't know you got me stumped on that i don't know but i'll pray with you we don't have to have all the answers right um, i think i think you you've 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 um really hit a a big point and we see this all throughout the bible david is getting exposed by Nathan, and that's when repentance comes. Um, David is struggling when all the women and children are taken, and he goes and seeks God, and that's when help comes. Shadmach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't say, hey, we ain't scared of the fire. <laughs> they said, listen, our God is greater than the fire, and if you don't say it us, we know he can. And deliverance comes. You know, the, the woman with the issue of blood, she was willing to embarrass herself. You know, the, the culture of that time is when you were a woman and you were on any type of female bleeding issues, you were separated from the community until it was done. So she was separated for years in isolation yeah. and she risked embarrassment to get saved. You know what I'm saying? So it's when we, when we realize our frailty, when we realize that, man, this doesn't feel good. 
this, this, this hurts. This is falling apart. And I, and, and that's when you realize I can draw near, I can draw near. And that's when you get the answers. That's when, and even if, and I'll say this, and this is a really hard thing to say, but because I've experienced it, even if the situation doesn't change, he still loves, he's still a good father. And he is not afraid of your hurt. God is not afraid of, of your pain. He's not afraid of your stumbling. None of that. Yeah. None of that he can't handle or didn't anticipate. He's not surprised. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? God is not surprised like who? You know? He the blood has made provision for that. Yeah. And I think that when we realize that in relationship, that the blood has made provision for you. This is not to say we abuse grace. Paul talks about that, right? Everything is lawful, not expedient. So you don't go out there and, you know, abuse grace. But when we have those, those moments, those hard moments, we can come before the Father and say, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good in this area. I'm failing. I'm failing. Yeah. And he'll meet us there. Yeah. I think um, as, as we're speaking and to boil this down, one of the things that I keep thinking about that's recurring in my mind is that religion is all about, it, it really becomes what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're approaching it from the standpoint, from my standpoint of spiritual laziness, it's what's the least that I can do? What's the least that I can do so that I can be saved? So I can call myself a Christian. So I can call fire insurance. How can I secure my fire insurance? Right. And then if you're coming in on a works based, it's what's the most that I can do. But both positions, it's about yourself. You're Not making it about yourself. Everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, when we sh- take that shift off, for example, so and imagine if if we would approach our friendships that way. What's what's the least that I could do for Anne so that I, we could say that we friends? Mm-hmm. Well, Anne is eventually going to find out, wow, this this is a relationship. <laughs> what is this? Why should I be around this person? Right. Or what if I'm if I take the works based approach where, okay, um, how many things do I have to do to be Anne's friend? And then eventually there, that causes its own issues of disrespect or what it may be suspicion on your part. Like, why is she trying so hard? What's going on? What is, what is her motive? What is her intention? Or I can jump in here and say, it causes the person who's working so hard to judge the person who may not be working as hard. Right. So I'm all workspace, right? And I come to church and I'm in every service, twice a Sunday, at Wednesday, I'm doing all of this stuff. And then Bob over here, who's doing what God has called him to do, which is take care of his house. The first thing that flies out of a, a worker bee's mouth is, 
He ain't doing nothing. He's doing what God called him to do. So now you in everybody else's business. Yeah. Because you're doing the most in hopes that you'll be rewarded, in hopes that you'll be seen, in hopes that you'll get the gold star. And so you look down on those who got the assignment right. Right. But it's all about it's all about them. And this mm-hmm. is where I think um, the Lord is leading me that in, in reality, it's you're making it about yourself. It's about you, 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 and not the relationship. It's about what you can do or the least you could do or the most you could do. And, and it's all based about around what you can do. And it completely sidesteps and overlooks the grace and the favor of God over our lives. Um, going back to what I was saying before, which is when I do for any of my friends, just because I want to, but not because I'm trying to figure out the least that I could do or the most that I can do, um, that relationship flourishes. That relationship, because whether I give or I don't give, I have a friend. <laughs> Mm-hmm. because the relationship I'm, I'm loving the person in that relationship and the things that I do is because of the love in that relationship not because I feel obligated that I have to do something um like if I don't check this I'm not gonna have a friend I, I I'm more inspired by love and that's what God is calling us to calling me to that it, don't make it about yourself. <laughs> Just don't make it about yourself. Make it about this relationship that we have together. And what you do is a byproduct of the love that you have for me. Not what, what you could do to get or to feel. So what I'm hearing you say is that relationship is driven by love. Religion is driven by ego, your own agenda. Um, When we have relationship and we're loving God with everything that we got, our mind, soul, body, everything, it spills over. It doesn't make it hard to love your neighbor. Yeah. The beautiful thing about Christ is that over 23 times in the New Testament, he's caught fellowshipping, he's drinking and eating, with people, just drinking and eating with people, not a church service, not a whole, he's just having fellowship. I think that when we practice fellowship with one another, we can, we can, our brains can understand fellowship with God. Mm -hmm. When we are, when we're able to just not call the person to, and I'm not saying, and I'm saying this again, I know I'm coming with a lot of disclosures this time, but I'm, I'm saying this because I want, I want us to really understand the point. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will have you call a person and give them a word. And that's all you're supposed to say. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will call you, call, call, uh, call you to call a person or provoke you to call a person because that person needs a friend. Mm-hmm. That person needs comfort. That person needs to be told that they're loved. And that is just as much needed and it's just as impactful ministry as filling a football stadium with thousands of people. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, I think the most delivering thing for me is to let go of all of the pretenses, to let go of all of the, um, I guess for lack of a better term, the competition or keeping up with the spiritual Joneses, the ones that's always on the altar. They, they got every they're on every auxiliary board in the church and you, you get confused. You think that you're supposed to be doing all of that. And back to your point is Bob is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Be like Bob. Mm -hmm. Ask God what you're supposed to be doing and be faithful in that. Don't worry about all the boards, you know, do what you're supposed to be doing and be faithful to that. And that can only come, that type of confidence can only come from relationship. While you're in religion, you're going to be confused. You're going to be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stand firm on the conviction of relationship, which will tell you, you know what, right now, the only thing I want you to be is a wife and a mother in this mm -hmm. season. You know what, the only thing I want you to be right now is a is a husband mm -hmm. and a father right now, maybe later I'll call you to the ministry, but right now there's some kids that need some attention. And what does it serve you if you win the world, but you lose your own soul, you're losing your own kids to the world. I think, I think Matthew chapter 23 is one of the best chapters for this conversation. Um, because it, it touches on everything. It touches on con, uh, converting people. It touches on paying tithes. It touches on titles. It touches on, it touches on, you know, how we judge one another. You know, the, the, one of, one of the verses talks about, oh, you, you, you know, you, you notice a gnat, right? But you'll swallow a camel. For, for the, for the, um, for the, those that are listening and watching, Mm -hmm. So Matthew 23 is a red chapter. That means Jesus is speaking throughout the whole chapter. The whole chapter. Mm -hmm. Right? And it talks about, you know, and I really, about to make some people mad. Um, <laughs> about to make some people mad. Honor your pastor. Love on your pastors. Absolutely. Love on, love on the servants of God. Absolutely. Love on the people that are elders in the church. Absolutely. Love on them. Here's what, but here's what Jesus says about how we choose to love on them. He talks about fancy feast and wasting time doing all of that. He talks about, you know, um, he talks about titles. This is all in the first few verses. You get down to you get down to uh, chapter uh, verse 10, it says, neither call the instructors. Um, you have no instructor but Christ. The greatest among you shall be a servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We love that verse, but the stuff that comes before that is talking about how puffed up we get in our positions in church. Yep. And we expect anniversary services and all of this big, big, big stuff. And Jesus is like, you're wasting time doing that. Yep. Honor them. Yep. Inspect them. Yep. But how you do it is an honoring to God. And then it talks about how we shut the, and this is the verse that kind of shook me. 
But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And that part really scares me. That part of religion really, really scares me. And I, and I repent and I think about all the people that I would just like, oh gosh, I judge them whether because they had tattoos, rods, whatever, their hair was green, whatever the, whatever the issue was. They didn't look holy enough. They didn't speak in tongues long enough. They don't have the voice to lead, but they're willing to. They, you know, you know, whatever it is, whatever we nitpick and pull people apart. And Christ is saying, they would have entered in, but you, you shut the door. And we have to wonder, in 2020, we are the, right now, in this moment, we are the least churched generation ever. This moment, children that are the, the ages of 17 don't know who Jesus Christ is. This year, this moment in time, with the internet, TikTok, all of that, they don't know Jesus. Uh -huh. But when they come to us, the first thing we say is, you got a tattoo, you got a baby out of wedlock, you got this, you got that, you got this, you got that. You talk with a twang, your wrists look a little limp. You can't come. And Jesus is saying, you shut the door. I've drawn them, but you, your religion, your religious spirit shut the door. And that is such a big warning to us, to me. It scares me because I have children. I have family members and I wonder how many times the way I behave, does that shut the door from them? Oh. They look at me and say, I don't want your God. I don't want your Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with your Holy Spirit. If that's what holy is, I'm good by my behavior. And that's what I found when my behavior is driven by works I value rules and principle over people. But when my behavior is driven by the love of God, then I remember how far he had to come down and get me. And then I'm driven by love. That love is what draws. That love keeps the kingdom door open. I think on that note, because um, we are uh, fastly approaching an hour. <laughs> I think that that is the best conclusion for this conversation. Um, I think it's prayer time for now. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, my God, and we bless you. We thank you, God, that you are so faithful to deal with us in our journey as we continue, oh God, to understand you, to understand the kingdom, to understand your principles, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that you move us from children to adults to maturity, oh God, in Christ, oh God, as we need, oh Lord. Father, we just ask, oh God, for forgiveness, oh God, where we have been religious like the scribes, oh God, um, and the Pharisees, oh God, the Sadducees. We just ask, oh God, that you renew, oh God, within us a spirit, oh God, that wants to connect with you fluidly, dynamically, oh God, without pretenses, oh God, help us, oh God, to draw closer to you and to draw closer, oh God, to our fellow man, that we are not a stumbling block 
to our brother and sister in Christ, that we are not a stumbling block to the unbeliever, my God, but that your love in us, and this is not to say that we do not, that we condone sin in any of its forms, but that your love in us is vibrant and there, Lord, vibrant and alive so that it touches our brother and sister and it touches the unbeliever and it makes us inspired, oh God, to know who you are, to follow you and to enthrone you in our hearts. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for this conversation, my God, and to you be all the glory in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Goodbye, everyone.